Okay, I did. I didn't write a whole spiel about the album. Okay, well I, you need the, to. The time I, the, but the time I did that, I thought it sounded dumb. We'll just say something. Okay. Say like three sentences. About All right. What we're, launch what we're doing. Okay. Why are we here? This week, we're talking about the Beautiful South's 1992 release, 0898, which is sometimes called 0898 Beautiful South. And this is the Beautiful South's third album. Uh, and I heard their first album in 1990, uh, shortly after it came out, and they instantly became like a must-buy everything they released for me. And I heard the album for the first time around that same time, and... Uh did not understand why anyone liked it. And uh, it sounds like you're, you're still there. So, so let's get into it. This is uh, Hidden Jukebox, the show where we start with a great 90s album, question mark, and see where it takes us. So the first time I heard this was uh, I just moved to California and there was this very weird hippie boy who broke into my locker and wrote lyrics about <laughs> uh, the the changes, David Bowie lyrics and marker in my locker. And this was one of his favorite out al- the, the first Beautiful South album was one of his favorite albums and um, he's super into it and like lent me the CD. Um, you know, don't break this case. Don't, oh, yeah. don't scratch the CD. You know, like it was a very prized possession. And, um, yeah, and I was like, I do not get it. I do not get it. Like, I was into, like, Led Zeppelin, and I was like, what is this? Like, oh, I was into Led Zeppelin, too, but, but it, like, it worked for me immediately. And I just thought it was so show tuney. So, oh, I'm so glad you said that, because that's basically what I wrote down. So, like, Ugh. compared to almost anything else that I listen to, I, I think they're, they're doing like a Cole Porter, Tin Pan Alley approach to songwriting, which yes. generally does not work for me at all, in the sense that almost everything I listen to is like, in some sense, I can at least pretend that this is an expression of how the musicians were feeling at this, at this moment. Whereas with The Beautiful South, it's like, well, we're good at singing and writing songs. Let's sit down and write some songs that we think will be commercially successful. Yes, and I think my response to that is... Um, having grown up going to musicals and everything is like, this doesn't belong in the range of me just listening to music for fun. Yeah. Like I'm going to, if this was performed as part of like a production, then it would be like the, the cheese level would be tolerable, Mm -hmm. but just out of context, it's, my brain literally is like, why am I listening to more than one song of this? <laughs> yeah, I understand. It's just, it's, I find it to be very, especially then, I was like super into like cool, authentic. And I felt like it was trying so hard and I didn't understand like the camp of it or mm-hmm. the like Britishness of it or the tongue in cheek of it. That I still don't understand, but I I know that that's how they were perceived, especially in England, you know, having read about it now is like people were in on the joke with them. Yeah. And I was too young or not in the right headspace around music to be in on the joke with them when I was in eighth grade. So let me let me uh, talk a little more about about the history of the band and then and then my history of the band because I think like how I first encountered them probably explains why I still love them. 
Um, so uh, the the beautiful South uh, grew out of uh, the House Martins, which was uh, Paul Heaton and Dave Hemingway, along with uh, Norman Cook, who became Fat Boy Slim. Um, mm. And uh, so after the House Martins broke up, uh, Paul Heaton and Dave Hemingway formed the Beautiful South in '88. Uh, and they released their debut, Welcome to the Beautiful South, in 89, which is why we're not doing that album. Right. If, if it had come out in 90, we would totally be doing that. And right. we'll probably play a song from it. And so I was um, a high school freshman, and I was a theater kid, and I was hanging out with these guys, uh, Jamie and Clayton, who I thought were the coolest. They were I think Clayton was a junior and Jamie was a senior and I was like I can't believe I get to hang out with such cool people <laughs> and Jamie was all just loved this album Welcome to the Beautiful South and and I had the same initial reaction like I wait this is this is like rock music no it's not um this is very different from anything I I listen to or feel like I should be listening to yes um and uh but he yeah he taped it for me and I was like this this is the best like this this is how my life should be cool so it spoke to you as a musical theater nerd. It spoke to me as a musical theater nerd, but it's not that it's not like I was listening to other, you know, I was performing in musical theater, but I wasn't listening to it in my spare time. Right. It was it, it appealed to me as like this is what the cool people I know are listening to or like a cool person. Interesting. Um and you know, it was it was a pure peer pressure Yeah, no moment. matter how much I like really was in awe of that kid that gave me the album to listen to. Yeah, I mean that kid sounds pretty cool too. He's yeah, he continues to be insanely cool. I mean, in high school, he walked around with polka dotted rainbow hair, with mohawk situation. That like everyone was like, "How do you maintain that polka dots?" Um, but also someone that tried a little too hard, so kind of makes sense. But I listen, I listen to this now, and I think about. Uh, Bell and Sebastian and Magnetic mm-hmm. Fields yep. and the storytelling and the irony and the sarcasm and, and how I've grown as an older person to gravitate towards storytelling artists. I don't think I was really into that at that point. Sure. Um, and uh, it's also, I look for space or like a part in the song that's like a slower part or a quieter part, mm-hmm. but their songs are just like all the way through um, maybe there'll be a break if it's like a male voice and a female voice. Right. Um, so I don't know what you wanted to start with playing. Um, I want to start with the first song on this album, Old Red Eyes is Back. <laughs> oh, make it a face. <laughs> Why? Red from the night before the night before. Walked into the rumba, walked into a dog. Old Red's in town and sitting late at night. He doesn't make a sound. Just adding to the wrinkles on his deathly frown. They're only red from all the tears that I should have shed. So yeah. So I'm dancing, which uh-huh. means that like I'm having a 
reaction. Uh-huh. It's kind of ironic dancing. Sure. I feel exactly about this band the way I do about the show Glee. Where oh. I'll watch it and then I'll get halfway through an episode and be like, there are so many things else I could be doing right now. And I'll be like kind of enjoying it and then just kind of like disgusted with myself. Like, ugh, like there's so many things I need to be doing right now. Like I'm walking <laughs> away from this this trash. Yeah, that's that's so funny. Like I I hear and basically agree with everything you're saying, and yet I, I love this unironically. Ugh. Like I taught myself to play this song on the Aww. piano. <laughs> Which I I think probably given like an hour to work on it, I could probably pick this out again on the piano and sit and be like annoying piano guy. Annoying piano. Yes. I, yes. I will do this song. They have this song at uh, at Rockbox, the uh, karaoke place on Capitol Hill in my neighborhood. And I will sing the song at karaoke. Oh, I just remembered a really bad date I had my junior year of high school with annoying piano guy. <laughs> you, I hadn't thought about that forever. Would, um, I guess I, I don't really have a. a uh, he kept a talking stereotype. about his mom the whole time. Oh my god, it was so bad. Oh like, wow, I do not want to hear about how much you love your mom That's, the whole time. Did did he do piano duets with her? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, was, was she was I she just, his piano instructor? I don't know. It's just it just reminded me of that terrible terrible night. Um, yeah. So what works about this? Part of what works about this for me is that I love the singing. Um, right. And the singing to me is like definitely an acquired taste. Yep. But there's other bands that I liked at the time or didn't like like, but didn't dislike um, like Bare Naked Ladies mm-hmm. or XTC or sure. like like I'm like in that are in that kind of more. Um, the style of singing is just you know, very legato or like, yes. you know, not to use a fancy musical word. No, that's exactly what it is though. <laughs> so yeah, like connected, connected notes. Um, I mean, it's not, I, I don't think Paul Heaton, the lead singer on most of these songs, like, you know, there, there's definitely a similarity to Morrissey. Yes. Um, and I, I don't think I w- liked Morrissey at the time that I first, I that I first got into this, but I certainly like, well, I was gonna say I like Morrissey now, but I don't like, like the, the current, like, Alt right incarnation of no, Morrissey, no. but yes. but there are some Morrissey albums that I love. Yes. Um, so yeah, this album again, it's like the storytelling is really strong, and that at this point in my life really appreciates to me, and mm-hmm. I really um, appreciate the effort it takes to put a story into a song, um, as someone that's tried to write songs. So I really. I much more appreciate this at this point. Yeah, the cheese factor. I mean, you're right. Is is layered oh. on thick. Like some of the instrumentation, it's like, you know, use a harmonica, but don't use it that way. <laughs> it's like there's certain <laughs> things, and and so there's uh, there's a lot of cheeky. Like you see what we did there. Yes, so much winking, so yep. many, and um, oh, and and then also I was gonna say um, other. Like Wham, uh huh, and um, absolutely, Boy George, yes, and um, yeah. There's there was other things I was thinking of that kind of. I feel like Wham and Boy George, like they knew they could be making other music, but they chose to go all the way to Cheese and Camp, yeah, and and wink wink with the audience, which I definitely didn't understand at the. T- I was just too young. Yeah, to really but, understand that that's what was going on. So also compared to the Beautiful South, I mean, they were earlier 
and and they sort of uh, you know not that they were one hit wonders, but they had this uh, this very uh, fruitful like mm-hmm. uh, explosive creative period, and then and then disappeared or or you know well, their went storytelling solo. wasn't as abstract or obscure or weird right. like the stories that the beautiful South are telling are very complex characters somewhat controversial yeah. or like in this song it's like I wouldn't say it's glorifying alcoholism but it's not it's not not <laughs> right so it's just like those are weird those are weird spaces to exist in um in terms of commercial success and they have some really problematic songs which, which we'll get yes. to so the the other thing about about like the band's place in the in the musical universe is that this the beautiful south are one of these bands that were huge in england and played you know they they opened for rem they one time filled in for oasis um, really they were they were fucking huge in in england wow um and if i had been a a fourteen year old in England in nineteen ninety, there is no way I would have gotten into this band. Interesting. Um, you know, they would have been like some like dorky like parents music. Huh. Um but like they could you know I, I It was sort of underground. I was in yeah. Santa Monica and and yeah, it was definitely like an underground band. Yeah, and I, I saw them play once in in LA in ninety five, I think. I wrote, yeah, LA ninety five. Uh, and it was fantastic. They they got to have this double life of, of being a stadium band in their home country and like an underground club band yeah. in, in the U.S. They didn't seem like the kind of people who could really enjoy themselves in general at all, but I feel like I would have enjoyed that if I were them. That's funny. Um, what's another song? Uh, okay, another song is The Rocking Chair. Don't worry. <laughs> it's not going to get is any it better Charles for in you. Charge? Yeah, is yeah. it Charles in Charge? Is it, you know, is it a spinoff of a, a pilot? Of a, are the Olsen twins in this? And then there's a chorus with the Marshall amps just cranked up to 11. <laughs> um, so this is what I, 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 you know, again, unironically love this song. Um, but it is way like off genre for me. And I wondered, I wanted to ask you, like, do you have any songs for you that you're like, I love this song and it's really not like anything else I would listen to. Cause I imagine like if I were in the dentist chair and they were playing the, the fucking light FM station and this came on, it would fit right in. And if I had first encountered it in that context, I would have hated it. I really kind of feel like that about the offspring. Oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> but that kind of fits in with some yes. of the things I listen to, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely like, I don't know what kind of dentist chair would be playing the offspring. No, but I mean, but yes, more like getting your hair cut and they're, exactly. they're listening to exactly. the offspring and you're like, oh, this is so like super satisfying. Um, it gets back into that comfort music, comfort food feeling of like that satisfaction yeah. of of like, yeah, this is 
this is a 90s album that puts me in a in a mood it puts me in a state of mind it whisks me away to yesteryear when i learned to play this on the piano right and, and um yeah i have just that one memory of really wanting to like this album because i really like that kid uh-huh and not being able to like pretend i did yeah i mean i i think this this song like could a could be a shania twain song Ooh, interesting <laughs> um i want to listen to something from that first album. okay yeah I, I, um because i would it. say that that this the lyrics of it are um getting at something that i find interesting but then sonically it's in that um what I described to you, we were messaging about before this episode about how it's it's all sounds like montage music. Yeah. Um, and I said, what do you have against montage music? Right. I was like, I think the exact thing I said was, it's the part, if my life was a rom-car, it's the part where I'm trying on different outfits because I want to move up the corporate ladder. <laughs> like, it's very, to me, it sounds very like 80s, like, pro-capitalist like i'm gonna get my first job at the bank and i'm gonna become a bank manager and like i'm gonna move out of like you know my friend's basement and i don't know well and the funny the funny thing was like uh that that uh these guys are kind of like uh you know british marxists in the way in the way that you're allowed to be in england and be a pop band whereas if you're marxist in america you have to be like a punk or underground electronic band very strange so um Oh, Blackpool, which was on their first album, Welcome to the Beautiful South. Oh, I put on the gray suit. Now I'm putting on the green suit. Oh, oh, but does it go with the pumps that I was going to wear? I'm not sure. I want to see this movie so bad. Oh, the red lipstick. No, maybe the pink lipstick. Okay, let's stop it there, because I want to read these lyrics for our listeners. Please. (laughs) I wasn't sure if it was Marx or Hitler that was in this year. I hadn't been to Brighton for a while, so it wasn't too clear. So imagine my surprise when I opened my eyes to find it was the liberals who were hip to sloganeer. I'm out tonight and can't decide between Soviet hip or British pride. Oh my gosh, those lyrics are amazing. Uh Uh-huh. Like, that's some of the best lyrics ever. But isn't it great to like take those and set them to this to this montage of like arrangement? becoming a banker? Yeah, yeah. Like it's so like so so. I'm not saying that doing this podcast is giving me an appreciation for them, but it is. And and this <laughs> and this this these lyrics. I mean. Like and the skipping, the skipping alongness of "I'm out tonight." I can't decide between Soviet hip or British pride. Like, wow. Yeah, like, it's, it's almost like nursery rhyme. It's amazing. Cadence. It's so amazing. So, I, I, yes, there's there's something there. Yeah. So, <laughs> definitely. Um. Good. And thanks for thanks for figuring out a way to sneak in their 1989 yes, debut. I appreciate I it. Yes. yes. There are so many great songs on that album. Um, okay, should we should we get into 36D? Ugh. 
Um, so I, I've okay. Go ahead. No, I mean, so I hadn't heard um, this album before, and I w- was listening to it. Kind of dog ate my homework last minute. Wasn't sure which album we were doing, and then <laughs> listening to this yesterday, uh-huh. and and I messaged you, and I was like what the hell and I like screenshotted the lyrics and and you're like oh we're talking about that for Uh sure and I didn't know that it basically led to um the first female singer leaving the band yeah and and I just had like an initial reaction like wow this is inappropriate oh extremely so like so so, like so beyond like something that I like even want to like play right now but let's play it Trigger warning. Yeah, big time. a lot of like nonsense from people when I was younger and still especially uncomfortable with the song it's like the opposite of sex positive it's it's terrible it's, it's yeah. like it's it's saying like a woman with a big chest like is that all you've got like holy whatever like that's not okay and and you can say more about the song well and, and beyond that it's I mean it's about like the the British phenomenon of page three girls and, uh, you know, saying that if uh, uh, if this represents like a uh, objectification of women, then it is the woman's fault. Yeah, not good. Here's what I want to know. Okay, so um, to, to put this in a little context for me, uh, the other day I rewatched the the original 1984 Ghostbusters. Have okay. you seen this in a, recently? Yes, yes, okay. yes. I found it very difficult. Yes. Um, because the heroes of that movie are these three lazy sexual harassing white guys who get credit for everything yes. <laughs> and um, you know are, are made central to this movie and you're supposed to think of them as the heroes and I did not like that at all yes. at the same time it's a very entertaining movie yes um, and, and there's the nostalgia and there's and there's the nostalgia yeah. um, so musically speaking I absolutely love this song it is actually I, a very well-written song, and it has that quiet and loud that I feel like is li- missing in a lot of their songs, and it, it and it goes straight to the chorus so fast, which yes. I really like, and the instrumentation is great, 
Oh man, these so, lyrics though. Right, every, it, like I listened are, to this five times in the last twenty four hours, and I'm just like, no, unacceptable. So yeah. what do we what do we do? Because like we're gonna, you know, on this show, we're certainly gonna talk about Ready to Die, right? Yeah. Which has far far greater problems than this song. Yeah. How do we think about like you know as as people who are who are trying to be like progressive twenty seventeen people? Can we go back and enjoy these things at all? If so, how? That's not a question we're going to answer right now. Right. But no, I think that. Um, yeah, I I think that it's like I feel like touch it and then move on as fast as possible. <laughs> I guess that's how I feel about it. It's like it's okay to say to to to. Sh- to shine a spotlight on it. And and the fact that it led to a band member leaving. Um, and I read like an excerpt from an interview where they were like making fun of her after the fact for leaving. And they're like, she couldn't stand all the tit jokes. It's like, wow, you really don't get it. Oh, right. You these, know, these guys like, are assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm one of those people that still goes to Woody Allen movies, you know? Yeah. So so I think This it's, is a hard question. Yeah. So I I um you know, I saw like Bainbridge Island just canceled a performance of something. Uh Bullets Over <laughs> of, Broadway. Oh okay. Yeah, because of Woody Allen. And it's just like it's that same thing. It's like, do we do we not perform those works? Do we do we have to like wait three hundred years and then unearth them? Yeah, no, it's very complicated, and um, it's like there's so much great music and art to highlight. Um, a lot of people would argue, yeah, we don't need to dig that up again. Right. But um, I think I'm definitely one of those people that's like, no, no, let's 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 not pretend that didn't happen, and um, we don't have to focus on solely problematic things, but. But yeah, this is definitely this song definitely made me very uncomfortable. Um, maybe is, maybe what we need to do I'm to like scratching my arm uncomfortably uh-huh, <laughs> is uh, I I mean I you were dancing during the song. <laughs> Ooh, ouch! Um, no one was supposed to know that. But here's here's what we need to do. I think we need to take this song and uh, scrape off the lyrics and come up with new lyrics so that we can rescue the music. Okay. Maybe not in real time right now, yes. but like no, no. I'm, I don't even think I'm joking. I, yeah. I, I want, I want this song to continue to exist in a form that people can actually enjoy. That's cool. I like that idea. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe there should that should be like a thing that that maybe that is a thing that happens, and I just don't know about it. There's like all so many corners of like YouTube culture that I know nothing about. We really need we really need Councilmember Rob Johnson on our show. Okay, let's like, let's schedule like, him. Let's make him our first. Because there's guest. something he said to me recently about some friends of his that are doing something around listening to. I'll let him tell the story. Okay, but listening to uh, '90s uh, hip hop and rap with their children. Okay, so it's um, really fascinating. I mean, I, I certainly do with my kid. We're not not like very active listening. No, but, this was like very active okay. listening. Um, int- I don't know how I feel about it, but um, okay, probably like uh, if, if, I I can't say this for sure, but probably my kid knows most of the lyrics to to Illmatic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I got I got one more pick here, and I, I picked it uh, not not because it stands out particularly, other than that I, I feel like it it has space because okay. you mentioned the thing about space, but I don't know. What do you think? 
Oh, this is something that you said. Oh, it also has a lot of harmonica, though. Yeah. It's kind of like that Casio drum where you push the button and it would play this drum beat. Uh huh. Yeah, I feel like a lot of their stuff is like the factory settings for music yep. at that time. How threatening it gets. So if you walk into your house and she's cutting up your mother, she's only trying to tell you that she loves you like no other. No other. She loves you like no other. Hedgewig where they're playing by the salad bar. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like this would be perfect. Yep. Like, why is that band playing over by the salad bar? Exactly. <laughs> in a mall. <laughs> like, in, like, one of those big mall, like, salad places. Like, if I was making a movie, that's that's the only reason that I would have a beautiful sound song. Uh-huh. Is For like, the salad scene. Like, just extremely, like, like uh, something about Mary with, like, uh-huh. Paul Westerberg in the trees. Sure. Or whatever. Is that, am I getting that right? Yeah. Yep. So, so, yeah. Like, I would just do it, like, all the way to, like, there's a band playing in the salad bar in this. What is, is that the beautiful South? Like, uh-huh. they've, they've reunited and, like. They've reunited just for the salad bar scene. Yes. <laughs> Um, the, I, I, thing I like about this track is that, uh, that I figure because it has the lyric, uh, so if you walk into your house and she's cutting up your mother, she's only trying to tell you that she loves you like no other, would probably keep it off the light FM station, even though it fits otherwise. the, The lyrics, this is the, is, are there two songs on this album about murder or killing or is this the older um, one i feel like there was there might be i feel like there was a couple of ones that were like extremely violent yeah they, there might Maybe be another one, one. It's, it's, oh, this is something that you said okay uh they that's a, a recurring theme for them yeah and the glockenspiel oh, you, oh, you want to hear that one no i just i i uh i really like the title of it you play glockenspiel i'll play drums yes i really i i I don't think it's a good song. But I really like the song title. So okay, um, that's that's all I got. I feel like I'm just stabbing your your you know. Oh ninth no! Grade. I think I think you were overly kind. If okay, anything, okay, good. Okay, good. Um, yes. I mean, probably that ninth grade version of me deserved to be stabbed. <laughs> this, I mean, I think this definitely. He thought, he thought 36D was the best song. Oh, I think that you know. I've been thinking about the title of our show, Hidden Jukebox, and I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, our, the albums so far weren't really super hidden, but this one was. Okay, good. Um, you know, Celebrity Skin, not hidden. No. Yeah. So um, this one for sure hidden. And <laughs> maybe some people out there are really excited to now become fans. I, I saw that there's a reunion tour oh. of a couple of the members. Right. And... and um, a new album. It's yep. not really a reunion tour. It's a new music. Probably, um, probably not going to tour America because they would lose all their money. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but if they do, I will. I will be in the front row along with four other people. I guess the last thing I, I read, which just shows the level of intention slash pre- pretension <laughs> um, of this band, is that 
the guy put the word beautiful in there because he wanted dudes to have to say the word beautiful. Um, like, like I don't know if that's true or not, but I that's what I read because I was looking. I was like, I was like, why is this band called the Beautiful South? And I was like, it's like we're going to make people say the word beautiful. It's like wow, like that's a lot of. It's just a lot of. I, I feel very manipulated by this, uh-huh. and I don't like music that makes me feel manipulated. And I, ninety eight percent of the time, don't either. Yeah, I just love this one. <laughs> Okay, well, we'll we'll disagree for sure. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hidden jukebox. We want to hear your thoughts about how do you approach this question of can you go back and appreciate problematic works that you enjoyed in the past or are they better just left buried? I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about that. I am too. And until next time, I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. I'm Laura Lowe.